and Apex Lab Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the Level Up Engineering Podcast, where we speak to the most experienced technology leaders from around the world. So stay with us to learn actionable management insights to take your engineering team to the next level. This show is powered by Apex Lab, a team of experts in end-to-end digital product development. ApexLab.io Welcome to the Level Up Engineering Podcast, everyone. I am Carolina Tot, your host, and I talk with very accomplished software engineering leaders every other week. Today, I have another accomplished guest who is Senior Director of Software Engineering at Salesforce. Maya Krishnan Chakarapani is here with us to talk about Agile in big corporations. But before we jump into today's topic, please, MC, introduce yourself a little bit to our listeners. What should we know about you? Thank you, Carolina. Uh, it's a great opportunity to be here. Um, I am Maya Kishan Chakrapani. I go by MC. Um, so essentially, um, I am a basically have a great execution focus all along in my life because my my parents are all um, have always a laundry list of things to do uh, and always find a ways to efficiently uh, execute all of them because that's kind of how we have, how I brought up uh, from my family. So. I always have this, um, the focus of, okay, how do I execute this efficiently? So that's kind of how I evolved. And then when I, I and the, one of the reasons I picked software engineering uh, is because of the excitement of all these new things and great things we can do, right? Um, and how I, can, how I can make this uh, as part of my process into my software engineering development. So when I started my career in the software industry, starting in the product development, um, I worked on various companies on fintech, uh, government cloud, and then also recently um, on uh, uh, Salesforce on the public cloud journey. All of this, all of this twenty plus years, uh, one thing is common is um, the expectations and outcomes are continuously increasing, right? And um, one thing that always stuck with me is uh, how do I execute as a leader, and how the teams are positioned to execution is always stuck with me. So that's why um, I went through all this transformation changes from going from waterfall, rapid application development, Agile, and now I call Agile 3D, which we'll talk about later in the session, some of the, some of the things that we have to uh, continually improve um, and incrementally show the value and whatnot, and how we can take that from X to um, 3 or 10X, that the, the current need of our, our industry, right? Uh, uh, that's how we're going to sustain uh, in this current uh, tough market. So overall, that's kind of my journey is uh, how do we evolve as a process uh, and then also uh, some of the um, modifications to Agile, um, which we can talk about as well, is what I'm very interested to share with our audience today. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Um, 
before we before we dive into that, you've been with Salesforce for quite a while. Um, have they always used um, agile methodologies when you've been with them, or have you kind of seen a transformation within the organization? Uh, at least within my organization, when I joined seven years back at Salesforce, uh, we started with Agile for sure. But there is not—I would not say that all the organizations within Salesforce was using. We are not Agile organization. Uh, we are trending to be an Agile, right? Basically, you start with Scrum, right? That doesn't make you Agile by by default, right? It's just one of the uh, implementing methodology, right? So, for example, even in my teams, we started with four to six weeks, kind of a. Um, uh, planning time, and then we we deliver products. Even though we say six weeks, but eventually went up actually two weeks, uh, two months, and so on. Right. So that's how agile journey started for me in Salesforce. And even if you look at overall as a product, Salesforce, right? Uh, even though we want to be agile and then get to two weeks, but just face the reality of it, right? Salesforce product is being widely used across various countries, and CRM is number one uh, in Salesforce, right? So. That product customers, when we try to churn faster, they could. Some organizations, uh, especially on the customer organizations, they a they don't have a need to go that fast because they have a whole lot of process built around Salesforce. They need a lot of time to test and observe the change. So there is some feedback we also got as well is to hey do it in a little more longer cadence, but in a predictable cadence. So that's why Salesforce did what we call in a hybrid way of thinking about agile, right? We still have three releases, major releases in a year. and But the organization level, we still continually strive to incrementally deliver value in a much more cadence from six weeks to two weeks, right? That's what actually now organization-wide we changed, but still continually deliver the value to build up to that major release of that four-month cycle. So that's how, uh, where we started now, everywhere the organization, we standardized the two-week cadence, and also every organization within Salesforce also have this four-month planning that we call 2RR, right? Two-release readout, right? So we really plan ahead, but at the same time, we incrementally deliver value. So that's how we kind of balancing our customer expectations, but still not compromising our internal agility, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And... Um Broadening the picture a little bit, you know, Agile has been around for a while and um, sort of a lot of companies have their own spin of the Agile manifesto and um, and um, a lot of people will say they work in a semi-Agile environment. Um, what's your take on that? What what do you think is the, is the state of Agile software development today? I think Agile has been almost 20 plus years now, right? Um, I think, I think one thing, one thing, one thing I see in a common pattern across um, uh, organizations, not just in Salesforce, you know, my previous company and Intuit and everybody, right? Um, everybody wants uh, predictable, um, repeatable customer outcome um, as part of this process, right? Uh, in my opinion, Agile is just a process, a means to get to it, right? Uh, and what what Agile does not um, in my opinion, uh, will solve, which eventually every organization will have to figure out to be an agile organization is that there is a lot of culture, right? Uh, culture aspects is not agile going to teach you, right? For example, um, if, if uh, culturally, uh, if everybody's not aligned to be in a two-week cadence or even continuously delivering value, if that's culturally you evolve, 
it is very hard going to go and force uh, scrum and agile on the organization at least initially right till everybody mindset changes so the first thing uh, we learning or we are learning actually as organizations across uh, industry is that uh, your culture is very important so first you got to start from changing that organization mindsets into why why we need to solve agile way why can't we just do what we do or a hybrid model that works very well in some cases right so culture is a big one in my opinion that needs to first happen um and that is what actually industries are uh, in my opinion they are very better at now so they modifying based on the culture i'll give you a specific example right <clears throat> so um in salesforce when we started the same thing right uh everybody said we'll oh, go do agile right um and what happened is every team started doing two weeks agile and started churning faster and what happened is fundamentally salesforce is a, a very engineering organization even though it's a sales organization sales by nature but there's we have built a fantastic engineering culture and when we adopted agile there is this loss of culture of oh we have to go fast right we have to deliver everything fast so we were a little bit blinded on the fact that in some teams um that vision and everything is taken a little of spin off and just focus on getting agile and getting out for the customer so in my opinion that kind of cultural shift without understanding why is a problematic so that's why i think we started fixing them and saying okay you cannot compromise on your product vision you cannot compromise on architectural uh, soundness and you have to do all these things right and define them up front right and then we adapt agile and then say how do we break this down in a more what what our leader call is uh, tactically continually deliver to get that strategy uh, at the end right so that's kind of how i see uh, at least within salesforce we evolving and and becoming an agile organization without compromising culture right so that that, that means every organization have to find themselves what is that sweet spot without compromising what make them success in first place so that agile is not necessarily a panacea but it's more of a process that helps to get even faster with the same culture of values uh, intact mhm mhm so could we safely say that um really creating outcomes for the customers is the main goal and you don't even necessarily need to use agile software development if you want to do that but you consciously decided that agile would be the best for your organization yeah totally i mean i strongly believe agile methodologies um they are really grounded by a lot of learnings by trying different uh, other methodologies that existed in the software and the early stages of software development right um i personally feel Agile is still practical. Uh, it's very pragmatic, right? Still keeping your customer focused, right? That's the first important thing. And then, and then the other business needs are continuously evolving, changes, right? <clears throat> For example, um, when we do a release planning, right? We we, continue, we we basically plan for all the things that customer asks for as of that moment, right? And then you already know uh, the reality of it is there's always going to be something. coming up as a high priority or a mandate or some security uh, issue came up then we need to go and address them as a critical point and so on so there's always going to be a spin on your uh, release cadence whether it's at sprint level impact or the release level impact right so changes is always going to be a, a interesting thing uh, that agile always har- makes you harbor that first right i think salesforce given that there is lot of stakeholders in in terms of st- uh, marketing and sales they always 
learning continually in the field from customers what what product makes sense and what does not so this continuous feedback loop coming from the product as well back into our backlog so there is always have to build a mindset of uh change is constant and 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 any organization does not adapt faster is always going to be not able to sustain in this competitive market so salesforce always step ahead in making sure that this change is continuously constant so the way we adapt that is actually uh, we in our backlog blooming we continually ask what is the what is our the, the top priority for this particular sprint and if anything new come up and then we evaluate against all our backlog and say where this fits in right and if there's highest priority if it fit in we have to drop something that we committed and and that is where i think more than agile right there's also i keep insisting on the culture right for example the way salesforce culture bubbles up any changes right not just agile gives you a tooling great but how do you communicate to your stakeholders and make sure there's alignment when you drop something from what is already been committed right so that's why we have some toolings like v2mom and uh, which is basically stands for all your values right and then methods operations and and measures basically it's a basically a tool that communicates all stakeholders hey this particular thing getting dropped and this particular getting added and and understanding the business justification and all this information this is a tooling which pretty widely shared from ceo at the start of the year all the way to trickling down to the individual engineer performance or evaluated based on this v2mom goals and then and then how we are chain against it so that's a perfect vehicle we have as a culture that agile helps to give you that the uh, way to adapt and then there's a tooling to communicate to all stakeholders so that we continuously align with all our stakeholders which is also very important to keep this one of the agile thing is also keep your all your stakeholders uh, in, in intact right so that's how i see um this all manifesting and then making sure the culture helps being intact any process you follow thank you for the clarification i would also imagine that um I don't want to blame our listeners. I think it's me. I think that um, huge corporations are sometimes prone to not really empowering their their employees and um, my understanding is that a huge part of agile software development is the empowerment of of the people who are delivering the software. Um and right. my question is how do you how do you keep your engineers empowered in in such a large organizations what what are some steps that you can share with your audience yeah. I think now this great question actually now we kind of transforming into some of some modifications we do salesforce predominantly starting with my organization right that one of them is empowerment is is heart of things uh, we strongly believe we we value high performing organization right and then we also value high performance engineers right now agile manifesto says that okay the best engineer this team out there is actually a self forming team a self empowered team right but that's on paper but how do you practically get there right uh, for example you may have a team i have a team where there are some top performers you just give them a hint and then they will put up and they lay out the entire sticks and roads and everything they build for you right amazing and there are engineers that we i call a, a rockstar engineers or a solid engineers right you give them uh, and then they ask clarifying questions and then they will do a best job what you can do out of it right but they will not do more but they will not do less but they just do perfect and there are some engineers who still trying to figure out what is this all about right um, they still figuring out the mines where it is in the in, in the part of 
software development and also still not acclimatized fully with the culture of Salesforce, how we operate. Sometimes it's lost. After COVID, it's very hard on them, especially on onboarding. Our, our CEO told multiple times it's a little bit hard time for newcomers because uh, they don't have FaceTime for most of the first few years. So they're still catching up on that. Now, now things are changing, but still. So you can see the spectrum of engineering thing. Now, how do you go and tell them, hey, go engineers and go be a self-empowered team and then you can do whatever you want. Here's a backlog of things and go deliver, right? That's, that is some madness there, right? If you do that, right? So that is, that is where I feel like there is a modifications um, we have to make being, that is more pragmatic, what I call 3D, so Agile 3D, right? It's basically a data-driven development. Data could be coming from different stakeholders. And the most important stakeholder, in my opinion, of course, there is, of course, customers, right? And then also the what I call the sideways partners, right, who are telling you what I can do, what I can't do. And the most important thing is come within the Scrum is our engineers, right? Engineers telling as part of the process what is working, what is what is needed more work, right? Uh, I don't really call anymore not working because that puts a negative spin. So what is needed more work is a kind of small change that helps engineers to get a lot of feedback loop out of it, right? So so some of the modifications using this data and then circulating back into the uh, our pro- process and make some small tweaks. I'll give you a very specific example so that you understand where I'm going with this. Let's say uh, one of the engineers is struggling and then and as a manager, I have one-on-one with an engineer and then he... The engineer tells me, hey, I have some personal things going on in my life, right? And the next quarter or so, I really want to be, even though I've been, I've been a top performer, I really want to be more of a solid uh, engineer who really want to do just the thing that has been given to me, just, just totally, totally, in my opinion, it's totally okay. Because in my opinion, I'm a big fan of work-life balance and Agile is also encouraging that, right, without burnouts, right? So question is, knowing that context, and, and, and Agile Manifesto does not have a clear role of manager anywhere in this process, right? Um, so you're a chicken, technically, right? So how do you empower, knowing that information, because you're, you also have a self-governing team, how do you bring this data point in a way that it does not reveal the personal problems of the engineer, but still empower that engineer to be his best? So, so some of the modifications, um, what we have done is, so in, in our infrastructure world, right, managers also, also play, luckily play, play a product owner role, right? So you can bring in some of this dimension of not only you're being a product and, and listing out what are the, some of the things that, um, the, the priority wise, right? But at the same time, you also inquisitively inquiring the teams and say, who is best can take this story? Right. Simply asking that question, who is the best can take the story and then and then understand from each engineers, like if the high performers always take the story, now he's not going to take the story because that's very complicated. Right. And then that asking the question sometimes raises other people to say, hey, I want to get this because I want to stretch myself. And there's some engineers who also have that information of I want to stretch goal. Right. So those are some ways in which you bring that information and you ask right questions in the, during the planning and influence the right engineers who wants to take that, wants to take that opportunity. The self-governing teams, that information is missing. So there will be constant friction if, oh, why this is not being taken by this engineer? Why I always have to take this engineer, right? So in my opinion, this combination of uh, empowering, but bringing the data point to the team back. And that is how, that is one way, right? One way, one of the ways we do it, just to give an example. But other ways are actually, in my opinion, that worked in my, in our, um, Salesforce organizations are we 
we empower engineers to rotate periodically. Uh, what I mean by that is, if an engineer has built enough expertise in particular area, um, again, knowing that engineer getting getting boredom, right? We don't want to avoid that. We want to we lose engineer if we don't continually challenge them. So knowing that kind of insights also helps to ask new projects to be assigned to um, one of the senior most engineers who already been done excellent work and then he wants to learn new areas. So uh, so providing the kind of opportunities through Scrum and uh, doing the planning that kind of helps people to use that mechanism to empower them. So just. This is a few small changes we make, which is not necessarily prescribed in Agile in a self-governing team, but giving that input that is as a, a different role can provide is actually a feedback loop. It's still a data-driven decision-making. So that's how empowerment uh, happens in, in some of our organizations. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, may I ask you how big is the organization that you lead? Uh, so I have about um, 20 engineers uh, reporting and uh, I, I also manage a lot of virtual teams, which I'll come to the next one. Uh, in a bigger organization, you cannot just have a in- team for every project you have. There are times where high priority come in, no resources to be existing. So uh, we also manage a virtual team of another 20 to 25 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's completely uh, not part of the organization chart, but you also manage some high critical items with no resource, but still move forward for the next year um, what I what I call um, scrappy products that you want to get out of it, so that you can learn quickly and then you can make a business out of next year. I would ask you um, about about the growth of the organization or the or the size of the organization that you lead, because um, what you have described, I think, requires a lot of very conscious communications, and um, I would imagine that in a larger organization, um, this could be quite a challenge. Um, what, what would you say to that? I think I call it as like a, a more of an equilibrium triangle, right? Three stakeholders, you need to continuously balance. Whether it's, one is one of the, how you manage up, right? So basically all your uh, product and your uh, engineering leader organization who have certain vision and how you want to execute them, right? And also your partners who also needs to work to come together and help deliver that. And of course, the next one is, of course, our, our engineering teams who needs to deliver that, right? I think, in my opinion, as I said, like the biggest challenge has always been um, is priorities. What we think as a, a organization, as a priority, may not be the right alignment across different organizations. For example, engineering may say the high priority for us is to get this new product out for the customers, right? Because it has a uh, one or two billion attached uh, ACV. So it's very important according to sales and marketing. So we're going to execute this product. And security go and says, oh, that's have quite a bit of risk in terms of security shapes. Because now we need to get into China and there's a lot more guardrails and whatnot, right? So there's a lot more time needed. So A, I am aligned on priority, but my first priority is to do some of this uh, security shapes and understanding and executing them. So then one day I can allow engineering to move forward. So now you can see, even though we aligned, but as a bigger organization, they have different priorities and different risks they have to manage, right? So, so what do I say for that kind of situation? Is actually this is where I think um, there's a there is where the vehicles or toolings that exist in the company that we can leverage. I think I, I keep repeating is a V2 mom, right? One of the 
fantastic vehicle we have in Salesforce is to continually say, okay, so these are the risks we call out and say, hey, security have different priorities and they have to do those first before we can actually execute much faster. So the timelines that we originally communicated may not align. Now, question then is, okay, so you take this information, you bubble it up in your V2Mom, and then you bring it to the forum to, to have this, um, uh, to the engineering uh, uh, forum where you bring in this information. Of course, we don't go in there. We, uh, we, of course, we talk to each organization and align and say, what can you do? So is a resourcing issue that you have to go practice. That's great. So do you have a resource to do it? That most of the time, what happens is either it's a resourcing problem or it's a technological discovery problem, right? Or, or third is somewhere combination of both, right? Uh, yes, some of them here, some of them there. So, so what what I normally uh, do is if it's a if it's a resourcing problem, right? This is where I think uh, we 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 bring in something a concept called virtual teams, right? So who who in other organization? Maybe these two organizations have a conflict and they don't have resourcing. Where can we bring some additional resources? Who have those skill sets and who can actually contribute to bring that particular risk mitigated, right? So some of the times we have to form a virtual team or sometimes we're going to form a SWAT team and form and say, what are the biggest risk in getting the security uh, shape figured out? So we will form a, a SWAT team. First, the charter is to go and uh, mitigate that risk by rigorously working towards that, that whatever the set goals that needs to be done. And, and, and execute towards that, right? And that's how we, we, what we have done is we extended this concept of uh, Scrum into empowering into more targeted towards business outcome, right? And then bring the like-minded people and focus on get that unresolved. Now, this may cross boundaries, right? It's not even in particular um, organization. We could bring some virtual teams. And you may ask how we form that. I think this is where our engineering leaders are well aware of where are the opportunities where the, some organizations have some resource buffer, which may not relate directly to this project, but they bring in that kind of information. And that worked out very well for us to continually innovate, not stopping the business outcome. So that's one way I feel um, this can be achieved. That uh, seems like um, a really amazing way of organizing your teams. Um, so are engineers interchangeable within the sort of projects uh, because of what you mentioned of giving them newer and newer challenges so that at the end, maybe like most people are capable of working on different projects? Yeah, I think we, we that's a great question, to be honest, um, because there is uh, projects, virtual teams are very successful. I admit some of them or most of them also, um, also not that's uh, great. Let's put that way, right? Um, but one thing would I always felt like projects that are successful, I always look for learnings and then how do we take that learning and iterate, right? So the projects that are virtual teams are very successful. Um, I'll give you a specific example. So we have to build this, what we call product governance. In other words, when, when in my organization infrastructure, a lot of Salesforce um, products will have a charter and say, hey, I want to move to public cloud. I mean, one, I'm in first party, now I need to move to public cloud. Now, some of these products are very complicated. They have a lot of different architectural patterns evolved over the years. Moving them all in public cloud journey into our, our common uh, architecture strategy is not, uh, is not an easy thing to do, right? As we go through this journey with the, with, the, with the individual products, what we quickly learned is, oh, that does not work in the platform. And that means we have to 
you have to unblock me. Otherwise, I cannot continue with my journey. So that, that kind of things pop up as a, as a top priority all the time, right? To solve that, I don't, I have as a platform uh, team, I have understanding on my platform, but I don't have understanding of your, your product, how your architecture evolved. And if I propose some change, I don't know how it will impact you, right? So quickly you can see there is a virtual team by organically out of form between the product engineers and our platform engineers, and then maybe some security folks who need to approve this new architectural changes, right? So you can see that quickly, it's not like we're going to, it's not like a, a, oh, substitute any engineer for anything, right? I'm not preaching that. I mean, I, that is not, I mean, knowing that myself, that is going to be a disaster, all right? So you bring in the right like-minded people, all have same goal in mind. We need to get this product to the public cloud quickly, quicker, so that our customers can quickly get a bigger footprint in other other uh, European zones and other zones they want to go go for, right? So that is how I, I bring in the virtual teams that brings the context very clearly saying, okay, now we need to form a virtual team that platform engineers, product engineers, and security engineers, and who knows, maybe other engineers bring in and quickly unblock and say, how do I make some small changes in the platform? How do I make some changes into the product? And then maybe sometimes we need to cross-pollinate and then we do end-to-end testing and make sure that this doesn't break anything else, right? So that is how the virtual teams quickly form deliver that important problem and then and then go back and then proceed with, with other things that they normally do. And this these teams can range from anywhere from few weeks to up to a year or even more than a year. I've seen some teams where we virtually formed, they love the product so much and then they really made a product out of it and then they actually become a core member of the team. So there's some great stories as well that happen in my teams. Uh, the virtual team eventually become a core team because they built a product that is actually nowhere and then they eventually made a a business case out of it and then we have customers and then they adapted and that become a new business actually so there's some great stories on that as well hmm. that's uh that's really interesting so these virtual teams are really formed for a specific function usually and then they work yes. together as long as it's needed and then if they love working together so much then they um go back to their original teams and um and if and if they love it so much, then um, they end up working together, uh, if, yes. if I understand it correctly. Yeah, that is correct. For example, I'll give you a specific example. Um, so we're working on this generative AI, one of the virtual team that we formed because we don't have resources because generative AI is a big thing, right? And we already know that hiring is very hard, right? And we have to, we have to get our developer productivity up within Salesforce. So what do we do, right? So, so what we, we, what we figured out is there's some passionate engineers in this area we identified, right? Across our organization. And then we said, Hey, can you start with 50% of your time? Right. And people love, right? Even though they have other works to do, but sometimes this is my passionate project, right? This is a new area. It's exciting. There's a lot of engineers like-minded like that. So you bring in those like-minded people, even though that you allocate only 50% to them, right? You just tell them, Hey, you're empowered, but it's 50%. But they always, I don't know, they, they don't go by time or whatnot. They really love solving problems come to coming together, right? As they come together and then figure out and say, oh, we have to build this infrastructure here. We need to, we need to build this GPUs here. And then we need to, and we need to build ETL. Whatever it is, right? They, they, nobody prescribes. That's what the empowerment happens when you bring the like-minded people and then give the right. But again, just want to make sure. Just because empowering teams is not a substitute for not thinking, right? You still have to do the right things, in my opinion. Right culture, you need to set. You still have to do the right product vision and strategy. You have, you have to outline that to the team. And of course, you have to break it down and give it to them a more uh, digestible chunk as well. So those needs to happen. And then once you have that happen at the high level, uh, then the teams, whether it's virtual or the really uh, uh, fully dedicated team, does not matter, right? 
everything everything works just fine the way uh, design in agile manifesto as long as you do all the things on the left side right first and then the right right side will all taken care of. so that's how we found a virtual team and then now we that particular team has become nine member team right we also have data scientists from various organization we pulled my engineers worked on it on the ide plugin uh, development and then uh, we also brought in uh, some some uh, etl and database architects to do some of the back end storage that become the actual core team now uh, it's become nine member core team because they love so much to working together and they sh- they shown some phenomenal uh, improvements in terms of acceptance rate right? like uh, one out of four lines that developer writes today uh, is actually in the beta users um, they one out of four lines actually come from uh, generative ai so we are very proud of the outcome and now they become a, that team charter is to okay go and deliver for all languages that within salesforce we do and then eventually also uh, widely market this product outside as well for developer productivity wow wow very very cool so if you ah oh. how because that sounds like engineers are very empowered um because they get to work on things that they are actually interested in and um and they don't have to be stuck with one project all the time um but how do you make sure that uh, that all these virtual teams are aligned with the greater mission and strategy um because i mean as far as i know salesforce has around like 80,000 people so yes. um besides you know like time zone differences i'm sure there are a lot of um different challenges that might come up when you're forming uh these virtual teams how do you how do you keep them all aligned and making sure that they're all um in line with with the strategy that is coming from the top management yeah that's definitely um, always going to be an interesting challenge but i think there is some few toolings we leverage to solve for uh empowerment is a key thing we talked about right i think another important thing is empowerment is more powerful and ownership is even more powerful so when you form virtual teams there is always a caveat right um there are some there are times engineers always feel mm, i'm part timer here so what's my stake here right um so there is always this 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 things happening so that's where i think we offset some other times with the ownership so when i say ownership is means like let's say we 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 have a cross time zone teams right we have teams in india we teams in uh, us and different time zones within us as well and then also we have team in canada and so on right one thing you will quickly realize all these teams work together towards the same product right um same platform so there's no the, the means there's a lot of cross pollination needs to happen before we say it's, it's done right the dod is you have all, all have to come together the work has to integrate right um so the way we manage this complexity in many ways i mean i'm pretty sure that industry leaders uh, have figured out different form but what work within salesforce particularly within our infrastructure organization is ownership right when we when we divide the work in say india or canada we don't we don't cross pollinate in a, in a way where all engineers need to meet all the time right so first we need to identify and carve out what are the ownership is for example if if your team is planning to do all the design work and then um and then we want to do the first poc and then viability of the product and once we identify this viable then we basically carve out and say okay so in your team will do all the product governance in other words one element of the biggest chunk which is 
good thing about uh, um, giving a work such as it's more of a strategy, right? Give a work such a way that there's a less communication overhead needed uh, within different cross time zones. But they have a very carved out piece. They still need to do their own detailed design. They still need to come to a forum like a, what we call an architectural VAC forum, where all these teams come up with a design and then they present into the uh, bigger principal architecture level uh, VAC sessions, where the bigger architects will still see all these teams, how they're thinking, the interfaces and uh, the scaling and, and resiliency and monitoring, all this aligns with our common patterns. Uh, that's kind of what we call DOD. And, and they are still empowered to deliver how they want to do it, but still they want the what and what the patterns they need to uh, uh, compliant of. Those are all vetted out left side of the product development, not on the right side. Right. So once you do all those hard work on the left side, first do this right, uh, ownership, and uh, aligning on the architectural patterns and uh, continuously forum of Scrum of Scrums. We call it Scrum of Scrums, where we meet uh, once a week, cadence or uh, depends on the product uh, criticality, uh, uh, maybe once in two weeks. We meet Scrum of Scrums, we, all, the lead, all the engineering Scrum leads slash engineering managers come into that forum and then talk about how their team doing uh, towards a project goal. Uh, what challenges they have, what risks they have. And then there's a, a scrum of scrum. There's another lead, uh, what we call engineering sponsor, who basically listens to all this stuff and then continually report uh, to the to the upper leadership what is working, what not working, what project uh, criticality or what critical path right now uh, needs some unblocking and so on. Whether it could be funding or it could be uh, um, uh, resourcing, whatever, right? So that's how we operate the manager time zone, the ownership, um, giving the clarity and aligning on the architectural patterns, right? And then making sure there's a gatekeeper who making sure that product vision is not compromised in any form and shape by all these teams actually operating independently and autonomously. Cool. And this this might be a little bit um, of a like a, an outside of our topic question, but it just came to my mind as you were um, discussing all these um, different time zones and and. Um, product teams and forums. Um, you've been with Salesforce for, for a while. How have you changed your way of work? Because we talked about culture in the beginning a lot, and I completely agree with you that Agile is really um, maybe a tool to realize the culture of delivering value to the customers. So so how did um, how did your way of work change as a result of the pandemic? If at all. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, totally. Um, uh, personally, um, <laughs> I felt like after pandemic, our productivity went up. <laughs> that may be true for a lot of industry as well, because now as engineers, if you ask every engineer, right, I think um, honestly, if they ask, um, they all tell like, hey, pandemic is hard. I understand that. Um, but they also learned that we don't need to be I know it's a little bit, of, uh, a little bit of a challenging with agile manifesto, but they still believe that still meaningful one-on-one -on -one connection can be still made virtually as well. At the same time, they also empowered to balance their work life better, right? So, so that's why when Salesforce, um, when when um, when the pandemic hit, our productivity went up high. Our leaders acknowledged it. I think that, uh, because of, um, uh, as I said, our engineering found this. this perfect balance, right? And now they are, they can work anywhere, still be same productive as ever before, 
Uh, but now they have this new power in, 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 in doing other things that they cannot do before, right? Because they're always placing the time in commuting and whatnot, right? So Salesforce, um, after pandemic, when they came out, also made sure that um, within at least our team of the organization, right, we still only ask engineers to come once in um, a week or even less, basically. And then the reason being that, that once in a week is not for, uh, you know, just you have to force to come on one day, anything like that. They, they left to the discretion of the teams to decide when they want to come. For example, we, we come during the sprint planning day or we come in a team building activity or, or, or thought, right? Or there is a critical, um, important communication coming from the leadership on uh, what's our next year plan or release planning days and so on, right? So only those handful of days will come in. But in my opinion, personally, um, that's working out very well for us. So in other words, the, the leadership has acknowledged the fact that uh, engineering organizations allow this and something works, let's not change it for the sake of changing for, because other industries wants to change, right? So that one way I feel like um, Salesforce, again, uh, is being a role model and the leader empowering engineers what is right for them. And when you do right for engineers, every good thing is going to happen after that, right? So that's one way I feel um, we are changing and uh, we are just a little bit um, kind of different from industry because we are focused on our culture and then what that maximizing our culture to, to solve for our customers, right? So that's one way I see uh, Salesforce keeping intact and change. And second thing is, um, again, this this concept of virtual teams is very hard to visualize when say, we have to talk about before pandemic, right? But now it makes a lot more logical, more, lot more logical sense. I have virtual teams sometimes coming from completely different team and no dynamics, right? I think what's all tying together is an empowerment and passionate project that I want to deliver, right? So that concept itself is actually, I feel like after pandemic, it's shot up even more. Um, I've seen people are adapting now a lot more than ever before. And 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 also a few other things to supplement that also change, made, made this possible is, we also started a um, few other changes uh, after pandemic is at least in our organization is we want to make sure because the industry wants to go 5x, 10x, right? Um, I, I recently also heard somebody, uh, CEO of another bigger company say that, oh, I, I sent a memo to company. I want to go 10x next year out of Elastic. We need to go figure out how to do 10x. So that's a norm in which we're operating, right? So, so after pandemic, what happens is that kind of situation comes in where you have to go 10x. Uh, we need to make sure, I, I, I told multiple times, right, we cannot take Agile for granted and think that it will solve for everything. What I mean by that is you still have to do all the hard work on the left side. Agile only comes on the right, which is the left side, in my opinion, is product managers, all the, go talk to the customers, do the usability study, understand, observe them, and learn what are the hypotheses the customer biggest pain point is, right? So have that, and then have a product vision and strategy, and then and then figure out with the architects, how can we incrementally deliver and then come up with a plan, read it out multiple times, iterate on the left side, right? And then involve engineering teams to start building. In other words, you may think this is like a waterfall. It's not actually. Actually, it's a, it's a lot more thinking needs to go first because if you don't get this right, executing faster 10x is not going to do any good. It's going to even more crash and fast, right? And burn your customers faster by, by giving a crappy product that customer doesn't like, right? So it's very important that we balance both. So I just want to make sure that the pandemic uh, is reinforced again because we want to go 10x faster now after pandemic. We want to make sure these fundamental things are not compromised. And Salesforce is very particular about keeping that culture thing that made success, not compromising when you go even 10x faster uh, in the coming years.
I love that. Um, it sounds like Salesforce is very conscious about about uh, creating volume for not just the customers, but also for the engineers. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because Salesforce is actually uh, one of the top um, employer of the choice for, I don't know how many, many, many years I, I, I heard. It's always there, right? Every year we have one, one of the top 10 employers, right, in the Bay Area. And then also in India, I think we are top three or five. I don't know. Uh, that's that's not just by it's not like you get it every year right uh, you have to put constant constant effort as a company right because employers preferences change right as i said right in the three years uh, two years back employee all wants to go 100% remote and then company and actually enable that right now we finding a need like especially for the newcomers it's a little bit difficult for them without facetime to to emotionally connect right and then have the chemistry built, and then eventually they'll be more productive, right? So to do that, we have to have a forum to minimally meet, uh, give the forum a voice for those new employees to be able to meet with the, uh, with the veteran employees to gel and able to understand, have a meaningful conversation, right? So that's why Salesforce actually balancing that by giving that opportunity to meet uh, in the right opportunities. Not more, not less, but just enough, right? So that's... In my opinion, this is some conscious choice we are learning and making as as employer employees' uh, preferences change, right? Um, so it's not. I, I know agile is not about all about you know product and business impact, right? It's also you need to have empowering teams, and only way you're going to do that is consistently listen to your employee as another data point into agile, and then you continue churn. That's why retrospectives um, uh, not about oh, what can we improve to get an X elastic. No, did I get burnout last time by doing that ten X? Right. That means now you need to go and peak your pace. Um, or you, it's because of not clarity in the product, or is DOR not, is not clear to the team, uh, or DOD was wrongly assumed. So whatever it is, right, continually learn. Uh, that's why I call data-driven development, right? The data could be come from the form of employee or the form of product or in the form of partnering teams, right, or from your management of the chain, right? So continually take this data and then see how do I make this clarity hashed out so that so that there's a predictable nature for the employees to continually uh, deliver a, a great quality product. So that's how I feel like um, some of the things Salesforce become successful in doing this by listening in all the stakeholders and keep them balanced. And that's how we become uh, most uh, uh, admired company and successful company that employee, employee loves to hook year after year. Thanks. Uh, thanks. And uh, going off of that, could you maybe share with us how your journey uh, came to be from from first starting to work at Salesforce, because you come off as like a very much of an agile activist, if I can say that. Like, um, like yeah. you seem very enthusiastic about the topic, and um, and perhaps that's not something that I picture when I think about you know um, engineers or or directors working at corporations that are as big as Salesforce. Yeah, I think uh, Salesforce is very very. Uh, flat structure, right? Uh, even though it's a, we are 80,000 developers, but if you look at it very simply, right, we're a very flat organization. Um, I'll just give you a very specific example how our culture is, right? Um, our EVP, right? Um, normally in bigger organizations, I don't know, I mean, I can't comment, but at least it's, it's very, very difficult for them to understand some of the pain points of the, uh, the low-level engineers, right? What is working, not working. But but in Salesforce, forget about EVP for a second. Even our engineering uh, uh, leader, right, uh, Srinitala Pagada, right, 
you will be amazed when when we started the public cloud journey he sat with for over a period of extended one year it's not a easy it's a marathon it's it's a multi marathon run over the extended period of one year he have a weekly forum where every organization leader will come and present their product where they are currently and what are the challenges they need to solve before they go into public cloud right so he really listens to all problems so that he wants to understand absorb what some of the pain points because it's easy for him to say okay next year we're going to be done with public cloud okay we'll go to uh, aws next year and then gcp the following year and then we're done the public cloud journey right it's easy for him to say and then everybody can rally behind them but the engineering leaders in my opinion the great engineering leaders are the one first understand the problem bottom up right and then they have a forum to bring this up continuously so that's what i think he did initially so went through all the pain points understand what where is the biggest bets he needs to make first big investments needs to make first and then there comes second and basically a steel thread of things you can see the whole bigger problem itself he went through in agile fashion so that's how i call the thinking in agile is very very important and then it starts and it starts from the top leader who has that much pressure but he still takes time to go and understand every organization on a weekly basis over the period of more, one year and starts from 8 o'clock ends at 5 o'clock he starts with the same energy of question asking questions at 8 o'clock and i seen him the same energy asking at the questions at the 5 o'clock that shows me a great leadership at work right uh, and we all in my opinion we all should learn uh, as a leaders right it's very easy for you to say okay here's a what here's a why and then go deliver right but take some time to skip level understand right skip level meeting is a very powerful tool if you use it right and that's exactly i just want to give this as an example right how we should think agile on any problem that we want to put forward think it agile iterate learn and then set the right expectations for all our decisions okay we are um, slowly but surely approaching the end of our conversation and um, i just want to summarize a couple things that really stuck with me from from what you have shared with us um first of all culture is the bottom line at an organization and making sure that um you deliver value to the customers um through creating um outcomes that are valuable for the customers um is of utmost value in any organizations and organization and maybe agile is it's just a tool in how to do that and you have to be able to choose the right tools but in a large organization um you make it seem like empowerment is actually um doable and also making sure that the entire organization is aligned with the with the values and the mission of the company um is also something that um leaders can do and i would like to point to your last point where you said you know the top management has to be able to pay attention and continuously pay attention to what is happening um while people are delivering the product um what advice apart from this or elaborating this would you give to someone who is looking to improve their agile organization or to someone who is maybe just thinking about introducing agile software delivery to their large organization what should they do that's a great question so yeah that, my closing thought is very simple right 
treat treat uh, your organization as um, doctors, right? Who are treating on patients means a business outcome they want to get, right? Of course, all the business outcome is you want patients to be healthy, and then you know if they ever need a surgery, they need to be recovering fast, right? So treat this doctors as an organization, right? And your patient as your customers, right? Agile is nothing but an operational procedure, right? There's many ways you can do this, right? But agile is making sure you're doing the operation methodically and iteratively. That means you're diagnosing initially before you operate. You're diagnosed, you diagnosed it, the problem, and then you figure out various techniques. And finally, you figure out, okay, operation is the best way to go, right? So you basically follow agile iterative process as operation, right? So, but just because you have operation procedure, if you just follow, you, you sound like you're going to be successful, right? You still have, this is what I keep calling, you still have to do all the right things, right? You properly follow the diagnostics. Don't, don't taking shortcuts. And if something is not clear, go redo it. It's okay, uh, right? So the same principles is very important, right? So a lot of times I've seen people taking Agile for granted and then they do this operation saying, that, oh, I literally follow Agile manifesto without thinking about culture, without thinking about empowerment, without thinking about some creative way of virtual teams as a first solution rather than forcing people to do more and creating burnouts and so on. So what ultimately this organization, the dysfunctional organization I've seen is, oh, operation succeeded. Because you know why? We did follow the Agile to the books. Guess what? Your patient died, right? Uh, so I just want to make sure this happened many times I've seen in my other career, right? So operation successful patient died is actually a big anti-pattern, right? So we want to make sure uh, our operation is successful, but that's not the first thing, right? You need to make sure you do all your legwork first and then use this right operational methodology to get your patients uh, get well, right? So that's my, 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 my take home. Uh, if, I, if you're listening here is just, just be pragmatic about it. Take agile methodologies, modify based on your culture. If engineers are telling you to modify, modify for, for empowerment. And also, um, if there is lack of ownership causing churn, fix those things. Those subtle pragmatic things you have to do. And if you follow the agile methodologies of Scrum and retrospective and feedbacks continuously, I feel like that is how your patient is going to be successful. And as, a do- as an organizational doctor, you've done your job and you did the right tooling to get there. I love that. Thank you. I, I hope that all of our patients will survive. Um, <laughs> wow, cool. I love the analogy too. That's just a, like a heavy thing uh, to, to wrap my head around. Um, I, I loved our conversation today. We touched on a lot of things that are I think are very valuable and I I can't help but come to the conclusion that it's really about the people and you have to make sure that the people feel like they can do their best job and if you give them space, then they will definitely do their best job. Um, and you made it really sound like that Salesforce is such a place where, where a lot of engineers can thrive and get yes. new challenges and also... Um, go on to new and new projects while also working on their older projects and uh, creating accomplishments for themselves. Um, is there anything else at all that you would like to add uh, for our listeners? Any parting words or word of advice? Yeah, I think it, I think the key there is to, again, as I said, right, um, continually be agile in thinking, right? Um, what works this year may not work next year, right? Um, Make, make as part of the process of collecting feedback. And then feedback can come from um, top or your partners or your even engineers telling you, right? Be open-minded about it, right? 
I think what important, in my opinion, um, agile is there. It's, it's, it's ultimately the engineering. You have to build an agile organization, and it starts from every leaders, right? First, adapt that mindset of agile, right? I say, give an example of uh, our our engineering officer was able to do that for a year. Yes, it's hard work, but what it enabled is to learn. What is what is that needed from uh, partners? What is needed from our, our external customers and so on? So the key there is to continually have that open office of all these partners can come and give you the feedback, right? Our employees can give you the feedback and then and then uh, and aggregate that information. And then what it takes to write strategic uh, call you can make is very important and continually improve the process, right? And some of them means you need to be a little bit away from agile manifesto in some cases, right? Uh, the example of I gave you where understanding where the team person situation and that's going to change how the velocity is going to be next quarter or so. So it's okay to be open mind and adapt that and continually empower them, right? I think if you empower the team, all the agile, whether agile or non-agile, right? Those are all secondary, right? I think the key there is to treat your patients right, right? Uh, operation will automatically happen for sure because you follow the process, right? And then your patients will be thriving as well. So it's very important to take the feedback loop and continually uh, iterate and, and change your mindset based on the feedback and, and keep keep trying, right? And you'll definitely get the outcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Maya Krishnan Chakarapani was my guest today. Thank you so much for, for joining Level Up Engineering, um, Senior Director of Software Engineering at Salesforce. And we talked about how to implement agile software development in huge companies like Salesforce. I think we have all learned a lot and um, there's definitely hope in, um, in making sure that companies actually um, do agile development. Where can our listeners follow your work uh, online or anywhere? Yeah, I think I usually post it in the LinkedIn and then YouTube. Um, so I'll, all those links will post it in the LinkedIn channel if they follow. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining Level Up Engineering. Um, I had a really fun time conversing with you. Um, dearest listeners and watchers, thanks for joining Level Up Engineering. I am Carolina Toth and I hope to see you next time. Thanks for staying with us. This was the Level Up Engineering Podcast by Apex Lab. Check them out at apexlab.io. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel, rate our content, and share your thoughts on this episode. See you next time.